Believe in yourself, reach out for your dreams. Don't surrender, there is more than it seems. Hold on and fight, follow your heart. This is your way, love is what you make of it. Hi, this is Dr. Joe Luciani welcoming you to another session of self-coaching where real-life emotional struggle, whether it's depression, anxiety, relationship conflict, losing weight, or simply handling life's challenges are all addressed. Teaching you to become your own best coach. Well, welcome back to another week. And today, I thought rather than jumping right into a theme, uh, I'm going to answer a question or a couple of questions that was submitted by a listener. And if you would like to... Uh, have questions addressed in these podcasts or, or suggest a theme that I will, I should talk about, please. The address is selfcoachinghelp at aol.com. And if you can't remember that, go to my website, selfcoaching.net. And in the contact section, there's a place for you to reach me. So Andy says, I've dealt with anxiety my entire life and your self-coaching program has been the most helpful thing I have found to deal with. It definitely takes daily self-workouts. And then he goes into his question. Question number one, he had two questions. How to maintain daily self-talk workouts when I'm feeling good? As you know, when you're feeling good, it seems you don't need any help at all. So in order to answer this first part of Andy's question, I'm going to refer back to last week's talk, my self-coaching podcast, uh, where I discussed my, my theory, my wave theory. From a self-coaching perspective, if you imagine waves like in an ocean, a wave is where you're challenged by life, where you have conflicts and difficulties, uh, emotional reactions to these things. So a wave is the turbulent part of your life. And then, as you know, with all waves, both physically and psychologically, eventually the wave recedes and lets you into what we call a trough or a level period, a period of quiescence where there is no conflict, no immediate conflict. So we live our lives from wave to wave, and this is inevitable that there will be waves in life. This is part of everyone's life. It's part of being human. Whether it's getting sick or being challenged or not having enough money, paying the bills, someone not liking you, we always have waves. Some waves are bigger than others. Some are just mere whipples. Some waves are just mere ripples in our life. But nevertheless, they cause stress. They cause duress. So we come off a wave and we're in a trough, a period of quiet. Ah. But what happens to many of us, especially if you are embedded with insecurity, is that even though you're in a calm place, psychologically speaking, you could start to worry. You could start to what if and all that kind of anticipatory stuff. So even in a trough where you are in a calm place, you can start to create your own wave. So you've lost the opportunity for quiescence, and in a sense, you've artificially created a wave where it should be no wave, where it should be quiet and tranquil and peaceful. 
So in that case, where you're creating waves, it seems like life becomes one long wave with very little intermission. And this is a state of chronic anxiety, chronic depression, other emotional struggles. So to answer Andy's question, number one, if you are in a trough, peaceful, quiet state, where there's nothing impinging or pounding on you, then there is no need for practice. Well, there's one need, and I'll get to that in a minute. There is no need to practice the more disciplined approach of dismantling and starving the habit of insecurity. Because insecurity throws at us the doubts, the fears, the negativity. And these are the, what Andy refers to as self-talk. This is where we need to challenge the, the reflexive talk of insecurity. Because when insecurity is steering our lives, we're in the back seat. We're passive. We're not actively challenging the legitimacy of this is a very important concept of emotional fictions. So we want to get in the front seat and we want to wrestle insecurity away from that steering wheel and take charge ourselves. So those are the times when we're in a wave. So when we are in a wave, we're being challenged by insecurity and all the ramifications of insecurity. We're in a doubting stage, a fearful stage, negativity, pessimistic, anxious, depressed. When we're in a wave, insecurity will be there. And when you are in a wave, that is where you want to start to starve rather than feed or reinforce insecurity. Now, when you're not in that wave, you're in a trough state, we clearly don't want to start generating insecurity-driven thoughts just by worrying, for example. But what if that happens next week? You see, now you're generating the wave. But that is also insecurity-induced. So what, what, what happens when we are relatively successful in getting into that trough, that, that quiescence, that nice, peaceful state? And we're not being challenged. We have an opportunity. And this is where a different kind of practice comes in. Not the self-talk where you're trying to stop reinforcing the voice of insecurity, where you're trying to diminish the, the worry, the doubt, etc. Where you're trying to take charge of your life and not be driven around in a knee-jerk fashion by insecurity. But when you're in that quiescent place, so the next practice is to realize the need to embrace the moment. You see, this is the antithesis to the, the worry state, the anxious state, the wave state. To embrace the trough moment. How do you do that? You become more present. So this is the practice that's necessary when things are going right. When things are going right, it is imperative that you embrace the moment, whatever that moment is, as long as it's devoid of anxiety, of stress, of depressive ruminations, you want to embrace the moment and be more present. So specifically to Andy's question, we want to practice our self-talk. We want to starve the habit of insecurity actively by taking charge of our thoughts, by not allowing ourselves 
to be manipulated by distortions of thinking created by insecurity. So that's when we are in a wave state. When we are in a tranquil trough state, that's where we want to practice being present, being in the moment. So let's go on to Andy's second question. And Andy says, my second question is a little complex. I'm a musician and suffer from self-doubt. And I get into my head when it comes to performances. I put way too much stress on myself. What I'm curious about is how to stay in the zone. Anytime I start to think about what note or movement to play, I tense up and I make mistakes. I never used to suffer from this until I became a better player, a better musician. And the perceived stakes became higher, more significant. I know that in order to play a successful performance, I must let muscle memory take over. How do I stay there? Well, what, what we're talking about is a loss of confidence. And this can happen to anyone. I mean, you could be going on with confidence and get tripped up. Uh, I remember working with a surgeon who had a mishap during surgery and from that point on lost self-trust. And from that point on began to overthink, to overcompensate for that fear of messing up again. You know, and when this happens, when we lose confidence in ourselves, when we start to doubt, you know, this is the work of insecurity now taking over. Because insecurity is in the background saying, well, you, you know, you, you messed up once. I don't know. You better, you better be careful. You better, better watch what you're doing. So insecurity can make life become a nightmare. I remember a while back, I'm not a baseball fan, but I, I do remember a, a baseball player on the Yankees called Knobloch. And he was an excellent, uh, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, I believe a Golden Glove recipient. So he was an excellent, excellent second baseman. But for some reason, he began to overthink. He had a loss of confidence and couldn't throw the ball to the first base, which is a short distance if you know your baseball. He just couldn't do it. Couldn't throw the ball to first base. Like the musician, like the surgeon, like the baseball player, when you lose confidence in your ability, then rather than trusting your physiology, as they say, your muscle memory, and just letting things flow, you get up into your head and you start to overthink. You're just trying to protect yourself. Now, but you see, it's when you feel you have to do something. It's when you feel you can't mess up. I, I have to make this throw. I have to have this successful surgery, which, of course, is understandable. But by putting on the pressure, when the musician says, I can't hit the wrong note. Well, you see, when you, when you decide that you can't be human anymore, when you put yourself in league with the gods, 
Zeus doesn't like that. You know, Zeus has a way of throwing down those, those thunderbolts and will find a way to trip you up. So if you're saying, I can't make a mistake, and in, the, in essence, you're saying, I'm not allowed to be human. I have to be perfect. And that perfectionism is what leads to the loss of confidence because whether the, whether the loss is gradual or sudden, once you lose that confidence, uh, it is a difficult path to be on. About the confidence, of course, the reason you're overthinking in the first place is you're trying to protect yourself from yourself because you've made that, that grandiose statement that uh, I'm not allowed to be uh, frail, fragile. You, because you've made that rather arrogant statement that I'm not allowed to mess up. I have to be perfect. So without self-trust, confidence. Self-trust and confidence are, you know, they're like first cousins. So I use them almost interchangeably. Once you lose self-trust and self-confidence, you're going to try to compensate. And the, way, the most direct way to do that is to use your intellect. You try to think your way into being protected from yourself. So the intellect comes in, those strange thoughts driven by, of course, lack of self-confidence, driven by insecurity. You're trying to think your way in so you don't screw up again. So how do you get out of this, this kind of loop that you get caught up in? Now that you've lost confidence, and now that you continue to grow in a lack of self-trust and lack of confidence, and you become more and more perplexed, more and more anxious, oftentimes people will leave a profession, leave a career, because they just can't handle the lack of confidence anymore. How do you get out of it? Well, there's an adage I like from AA. It says, let go, let God. Now, we don't have to put a religious connotation to this. Let's put a secular connotation. Let's put, let go, let self with a capital S. And when I say self with a capital S, what I'm referring to is there's the the ego part of you, the conscious part of you, it's this little tiny island. And it's this little tiny island in this vast ocean of potentiality. And it's that vast ocean that is beyond the ego, that instinctual realm, the realm of, of intuition, where we can kind of see around corners. But it's not a thinking place, it's a place of as I said, intuitive, instinctual. But there's more to us than the little island of the ego and that thinking. We need to let go to that in us which is beyond the thinking. And that's, you know, the inherited survival of over two million years of evolution. We are survival machines. And sometimes we just need to let go and let self. Things need to unfold. Now, some people listening to this are immediately going to feel threatened. To let go of thinking, it sounds absurd. To let go and just let life unfold? What, without me steering with all of my what-ifing and my worrying? 
That's kind of dangerous. Now it feels dangerous. It's not. Because what you're doing is you're trying to cultivate more than just the thinking, the intellectual. You're trying to get into, as, as Andy said before, the muscle memory, just letting that happen. That's only going to happen if you let go and let self. Or if you like, you could say, let go, let life. How about that? And that takes us out of the intellect and puts us more into the more primitive aspect of our brain, which is quite capable of handling things. When I say quite capable of handling things, a musician that is well-practiced and well-rehearsed, the surgeon that has had many years of experience, and the baseball player who has thrown many, many pitches, you can let go to that experience. You can let go to that in you which doesn't have to figure out how to throw a ball or how to press a key on a piano. You don't have to figure that out. You can let go to that in you, which has now the experiential neurological connections that can make that happen. You can let go to the instinctual realm, the intuitive realm, but it's going to feel, use the operative word, it's going to feel risky because you're used to trying to control life. And that's why all of this anticipatory stuff happens. Because with the loss of confidence, you decide, not consciously decide, but on some level you have decided that you're going to now control life, over-control life. And that brings us back to competing with Zeus. You're going to control life by never messing up can't do that. You've got to risk being you. You've got to risk being human. Now, if you really want to make strides here, and if you happen to relate to some of this, this kind of anticipatory stuff that has you frozen, if you really want to make progress, then you have to be willing. Here you go. Now, just hold on. Hold on to your seat. You have to be willing to make a mistake. Now, if you're a surgeon, of course, that's a very difficult concept. But even surgeons, uh, you know, they, they review what they do. Sometimes the surgery goes a little better. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes they miss something. But you have to be willing to not make a mistake, but be willing to accept mistakes. It's very difficult to do if you're a controlling person. It's very difficult. It's almost impossible to do if you're saying, no, I have to be in control of everything. You see, then you're not letting go and letting life. So it all comes down to, unless you're willing to risk being more present and letting life unfold, you'll never be free of insecurity. And that's the risk, the necessary risk. Once you concede. Now, Please don't misconstrue. I'm not saying that you should be more present and let things unfold if you're not practiced. If you are a musician, you need to know the piece that you're playing. You need to have practiced it well, and you need to know that that is something that you have done and are capable of. The surgeon needs to know that they've done this surgery 
hundreds of times, and the baseball player has thrown hundreds of pitches. So it's, it's not like you're doing something that you're not rehearsed at or practiced at. We're talking about the things that you ought to be able to do instinctually, intuitively, allowing muscle memory to take over, allowing yourself to just flow with being present. So in a sense, I guess what I'm saying is when you when you know what you're doing, when you've practiced enough, you need to stop second guessing without any reason to second guess other than you fumbled at one point or you tripped at one point. But now you can't let insecurity glom onto that. And insecurity certainly will do that and will extrapolate. And now every time you go to, to toot that trumpet, Every single time insecurity is going to say, yeah, you better watch out. So it's hard to be present. It feels risky to be in the moment, to let things unfold. Because as I said, that island, that ego, that small part of you, the thinking part of you, is much more to you than that. You need to hand yourself over to the vastness of your potentiality. To live your life more present in the moment. And to recognize that when you do stumble, you can't let insecurity start to misinterpret that and for insecurity to extrapolate that into now you can never be confident again. The only way you're going to be confident is to risk messing up. That's kind of an oxymoron, but it's true. If you, if you allow yourself to trust that you will do your best and you've got the foundation to do your best and now you just need to flow with that. If you're willing to give yourself that ability to risk being who and what you are, then and only then will you be bringing your best game forward. Only then will you become the best person you can become in whatever pursuit you are following. So that's Andy's questions. I thought it was a good idea, though, to just go over some of the, the basic concepts of self-coaching. And, and my wave theory, I really like that. It, it works for me so well because I think we all know that trough state, and we all know that if we are chronically agitated, that's insecurity, and that's those thoughts that keep rumbling and ruminating on and on and on, but creating waves. So what's the key to life? Well, the key to life isn't eliminating waves because that's circumstantial. There'll always be waves. You know, illness, separations, deaths. Things. There'll always be waves that come along. The trough area is where we have control. And if we're, if we're contaminating the trough area with doubts, with fears, with insecurities and pessimism, well, then, of course, life becomes, as I said, a nightmare. And the only way to challenge is to be present, to risk, I said, as I said last week, to risk optimism, to risk believing in yourself. I mean, how else are you going to overcome insecurity and self-doubt? How else are you going to overcome lack of confidence? Well, the answer is embracing optimism. And that may feel like another risk, but... Stop being afraid to risk being you. 
Now, the downside is, yeah, maybe, maybe you'll stumble another couple of times before you finally get it. But the upside is that if you can finally hang on to optimism, letting life unfold, being present, then the best you comes forward in all that you do. So in all that you do, I wish you a pleasant, peaceful, serene trough state. And, you know, let's not bemoan the waves. That's part of life. But let us bemoan the fact that we do not want to be creating artificially our own nasty waves. So on that note, how about visiting my website, selfcoaching.net. I know I need to get more active in the blog session. I will. I will. Uh, I've been a little busy lately, I have to tell you. Some good stuff, not some bad stuff. So visit selfcoaching.net where you can learn more about my self-coaching philosophy and take a look at some of the books I wrote. I would love for you to buy a few of my books and let me know what questions you have. And we can further your reading podcast by podcast. So get in touch. And until next time, remember that being victimized by emotional struggle, well, that's just not an option. By definition, victims are powerless and you are not powerless. So remember, everything's hard. So you make it simple. So join me every week. And how about we make it simple together?